Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And I don't know about you, Perry, but I have a little extra juice going into this episode because it's episode 55 and it is the Zedarius show. Oh, so. that's it. I was like, what does 55 mean? Oh, yeah, so classic. Really feeling it. Should have worn my jersey, but I wasn't thinking straight. I'm also drinking mm-hmm. a uh, 13% beer. So we're going to for sure need to wrap this show up before things get weird. But it is in uh, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg tribute beer, which felt really good for International Women's Day, even though we're recording two days after that. I like that. I like that. Support women every day anyway. Yeah, we don't need a holiday. But if you're listening to the show, you're supporting us. So thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) You can also support us by going and buying merch off the Cheesehead TV website. We do like that too. And we just like getting pictures of people that are wearing our stuff. It's kind of weird to see it out in the wild, but it's fun. We we love love it. it. And if you're coming to training camp, we might happen to be there. So if you're rocking your packs, what she said stuff at training camp, we would love to stop and meet you. But that's, you know, that's something for another day. Perry, we have, uh, we have the cap to talk about because the numbers were official today. Kind of what everyone expected. Can this be our last cap episode, please? <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. 182.5 million. So I think the more, imp- I guess, important, maybe not important news outside of the cap, because it was right around what everybody thought, I think 180 million was kind of the prognosis or the estimate. So Aaron Jones not being franchise tagged by the deadline. I know that you and I talked about this on the show before. Kind of said we didn't necessarily see it happening, but... It officially did not happen. Michelle Bruton talked about it with us last week. So Mm -hmm. any new thoughts about that? I mean, kind of feels like we saw it coming. Yeah, I'm not that surprised at all. I I think it didn't make sense for either side, honestly, for that to be the choice, like financially for the Packers and all, you know, there's tons of reasons, right? Why, why players typically don't love the franchise tag. Um, I do think that it's interesting. And Michelle pointed this out last week is that, the Packers are the only team who haven't used the tag in the last decade. So it's clear as much as Brian Gutenkin says that it's not, that the franchise tag is just really not something that the Packers utilize. And that's for better, for worse, it's their philosophy. We, I think, see that the Packers have a different philosophy than a lot of other teams do. Um, But I thought it was interesting, to be honest with you, that Adam Schefter tweeted when he tweeted that that Jones wasn't getting tagged, is that that doesn't necessarily mean a deal is not going to get done. Um, And, you know, We've been hearing about Aaron Jones wants to get a deal done with the Packers for what feels like a year now and nothing's happened. So my feelings about it happening or haven't changed. I I think that Jones is going to hit the open market and he's going to get a lot, a lot more than what the Packers are going to be able to offer. But at the same time, seeing that gave you like a glimmer of hope. You kind of never know if, if they'll come to some agreement in the next week that we haven't heard about. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting, too. I think it was Tom Silverstein that tweeted about kind of the comparisons between Sam Shields and he hired Drew Rosenhaus as an agent. And 
They didn't utilize the franchise tag. And then three days before free agency was set to begin, Sam Shields signed his mega extension with the Packers. And we know obviously now that Aaron Jones uh, fired his old agent and signed Drew Rosenhaus to represent him. And Drew Rosenhaus is kind of notorious for getting a lot of money the most and the best for his players. So, you know, not sure what that means for him, but it was kind of an interesting parallel. And before we switch things, I do kind of want to ask you though, we talked about this a little bit in the DMs and I thought it was interesting and kind of content worthy with Aaron Jones. You know, what do you kind of think this means for Jamal Williams? Is Jamal Williams just sitting waiting to hear what happens? Because, you know, if Aaron Jones is getting paid, by the Packers. Jamal Williams likely isn't. If Aaron Jones is not getting paid by the Packers, Jamal potentially could be. So yeah. You know, what does that mean for him? I don't know. I don't like to think of them as tied together. Obviously they're the same position. So it's easy to say like, what does the room look like? Um, I know that Jamal has expressed that he wants to be a Packer for life. Uh, If that means that he takes a a fairly friendly deal to stay in town. Great. Um, That makes me super excited, super happy. I, I just personally think that AJ having AJ Dillon makes Jamal a little redundant. Unfortunately, like I think that AJ Dillon has the skill set that Jamal Williams brings to the table and a little bit more and is obviously a rookie. So he's on a rookie contract. He's a lot cheaper. Um, But at the same time, you know, Jamal has been such an undeniably strong presence on the team in the locker room on the sideline, like I think has carved out like a really nice role for himself. So if it means coming back on a team friendly deal, it's great. But um, I unfortunately think that Jamal Williams will not be a Packer. Uh, next season. Yeah, I do too. And I think one of kind of the underrepresented aspects of Jamal Williams game is that we always see him on special team snaps and obviously Aaron Jones doesn't play special teams. AJ Dillon necessarily didn't necessarily do that a ton and a very different skill players. But I think about Tyler Irvin quite a bit too. And Mm -hmm. I know he's technically a running back, but I see it being a lot more likely that Tyler Irvin comes back as a compliment to AJ Dillon than either Jamal or Aaron. I agree. I agree. I just think that Tyler Irvin has a different running back skill set, obviously, than Jamal Williams is. He's their very different just body types, runners in general. And then he has just a very clearly carved out role in this offense and on special teams as the return guy. So, um, and I, I think I talked about this a little bit with Nagler on Monday, which is like he was hurt. And so what is he going to really garner on the open market if he decides to go? I think Jamal actually has some buzz around him where other teams may actually pay him more than the Packers could. But a guy like Tyler Irvin just feels like someone who Green Bay will offer him what they offer him and Tyler Irvin will come back because that's the best that he's probably going to get. Yeah. And I know I think a lot of fans kind of associated the franchise tag with Aaron Jones or bust, but they could have used it on Corey Lindsley. And we also didn't see that happening. So I know we kind of felt like it was a foregone conclusion that he wouldn't be in Green Bay, which is really upsetting because we both said that he was the priority re-sign. But Andy Herman, friend of the show, had asked Brian Gutekunst a couple weeks ago at his presser, kind of with the cap situation and the way that the Packers are really up against the cap, would he still have some leverage and leeway to potentially sign a free agent if somebody really stood out to him? So wanted your thoughts on this too, because to me, Corey Lindsley could end up being one of those guys. And I know that we're hearing that everything's kind of all quiet right now. And it sounds like the Packers are moving on, but if Aaron Jones prices himself out, do you see any possibility where Corey Lindsley is the guy that the Packers prioritize and he comes back? I mean, there's definitely a possibility, right? Like you can talk 
at length about what Corey Lindsley brings to the team, how he's the best rated center in the league, that there's not really an upgrade there, et cetera, et cetera. I think we've gone through all the reasons why we want Corey Lindsley back. It's just a matter of money. And honestly, like Corey Lindsley's going to get paid, like paid. I think that the franchise tag on him was 13 mil. So there's that makes sense why the Packers didn't choose to do that. Also, just like franchise tagging a center doesn't really like seem <laughs> like a good decision to me. But uh, he's going to get that a year, I think, in a deal, if not maybe a little bit more, right? Because he's still pretty young. And so I don't know. It's it's it doesn't sound honestly like what I've heard from him. Pers- like Corey Lindsley talking about the deal, it just doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, you're right. The Packers are going to make a couple of moves. At least we expect them to make a couple of moves, you know, restructures, extensions, things like that, that you hope are in the work silently at the moment that we don't know about. They have about <laughs> a week, they have about a week to do it. Um, and then hopefully free up some space. I actually think that with the carryover and the cap being like slightly higher than we thought it was going to be at 180, they they actually have are in a much better position than I was expecting them to be. Not saying they're in a good position, just saying it's better than I expected. Yeah, and I mean, I think that a lot of people were expecting Preston Smith to get cut or maybe Dean Lowry, and there would be other ways for the Packers to kind of free up. But what we're seeing now, or I guess the new theory, is that the Packers can do a couple restructures. Zadarius Smith tweeted today that he wanted to be a Packer for life. No idea if that means that there's an extension or a restructure coming. You know, it could just be him saying that. But, you know, it doesn't seem like the Packers maybe need to make as many drastic moves as we were expecting. We saw them already get rid of Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey. So they're really close to being where they need to be kind of going into the new the new fiscal year. Yeah, 100 percent. And. Like I said, that, that's a pleasant surprise. Um, I think there's room for probably like one nice signing, um, unless for some reason they can squeeze in two at sort of like minimum type deals. But, and and normally I'd say that's not a possibility, but I just feel like this season with so, we saw so many players get released today. More, it feels like more than normal to me. It, yeah, it definitely it feels like more than normal because obviously every team is dealing with the fact that they don't have enough money to pay all their players. And I feel like there's going to be a plethora of guys out there who are likely going to take deals that are lower than what they would normally get in a different year. So it's possible if the Packers can get themselves low enough to then make those deals. But I'm kind of expecting one. Yeah. And to me, I mean, I think going back to the Preston Smith thing too, it's, it's a, benefit to the Packers that they can retain him, right? Like we've, you know, talked about maybe he did have a down year. He wasn't necessarily, I think, being utilized the way that he wanted to be utilized for part of the year. He did look good in the latter half of the season and going into the playoffs, but Jacob Westendorf on Packaday likes to say that at certain positions, you are one rolled ankle away from having a bare cupboard. And if you got rid of Preston Smith and something happened to Zadarius or Rashawn, suddenly you're relying on guys like Tipa and Jonathan Garvin and potentially a draft picked to fill some of that. So I think giving Preston Smith an opportunity to kind of reunite with Joe Barry, he's played with him before. um, I think that bodes well. And I think that he'll probably have a chip on his shoulder knowing that a lot of fans weren't necessarily pleased with his performance and he'll be, he's probably not pleased with his performance either. He's a competitive (laughs) guy, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of indifferent to the Preston Smith, like either way it's, it's sort of, it is what it is to me, but I definitely agree from like a depth perspective. It makes me a lot more comfortable that we have both the Smiths and Rashawn Gary up there. And I would love to see one of those guys that you just mentioned 
take some snaps and see see what they have in terms of like the juice. And I know that people were pretty excited about a lot of them in camp, but they never really got their time because it was just so clear who the starting three were. Um, I think a new defensive coordinator could potentially rejuvenate Preston Smith, re- rejuvenate all the guys, right? Use him a little bit differently, get, get him moving. Um, I just would like to see his cap hit be a little bit lower, whatever they do with that, or if they can restructure him or change some things around with his contract, then I have no problem keeping him. I think it's just the 8 million that his cap hit right now is 16 and they would save eight if they cut him, but still eight dead money. Right. Which is a lot. That's a lot to swallow for me. Like I don't love 8 million dead money, but I also think that 16 million cap hit for Preston is really high. So if they can just maneuver it, so it's a little bit more palatable, then sure, of course, keep him around. Um, you know, let's see what Russ Ball can do. Is that our gonna, answer for everything? Yes, just Russ help. But <laughs> I was I planned on taking this in an entirely different direction, but because you said dead cap, I just have to bring this up to you. Last week, I wrote an article for Cheesehead TV that was not necessarily well-received. It was a potential um, cap casualties around the NFC North. So Jimmy Graham was somebody for the Bears. I wanted to use Kyle Rudolph for the Vikings, but I thought that that was cheating. And then Kyle Rudolph was released. And then you were right. Desmond Trufant was the Lions player, and he was released. So to be different for the Vikings, I chose Harrison Smith. And part of that logic was that he has zero money against the, that would be a a dead cap, zero dollars. And I thought there was a potential that the Packers would re or the Packers, the Vikings would franchise tag Anthony Harris. My thought process being that Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, both would be too expensive for the Vikings to keep. So they were going to have to pick one or the other. You and I now know, of course, that Anthony Harris was not franchise tagged by the Vikings. So now it seems like Harrison Smith is going to be the guy that they have in their secondary. So were you surprised at all by the Anthony Harris news or did you kind of see it coming? No, I was. I totally agreed with you. It felt like such a clear and obvious franchise tag option. But again, like the Vikings are also in a bad spot. So what would that have done for them? Like we we've talked too about Allen Robinson. And I just feel like the franchise tag for Allen Robinson is a ridiculous thing for the bears to do. And I understand why they want to keep Allen Robinson. He's a really, he is their offense. I mean, let's be honest. Um, (laughs) But, but what it does for the cap is so it's such a hard pill to swallow. So I get the Vikings, but I was also still surprised about it because that safety tandem has been one of the best in the league for as long as they've been together. And so to break them apart feels just it's a tough blow for the Viking secondary, especially after last season when they had just rookies starting and and no one to, to they re, they were reliant on Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris and Eric oh. Hendricks, right? Like th- those were the pieces that they at least knew they could rely on um, and build around. And so when you lose one of the three that you build around, it's it's hard for me to imagine honestly a Vikings defense without him on it. Yeah, and I mean, kind of going even as a parallel to the Packers defense, you know, they had some young guys and they brought in Adrian Amos to kind of be the mm-hmm. security blanket, but Darnell Savage had growing pains and you can expect that with a young safety, especially playing free safety exactly. and not closer to the box. So depending on what happens for the Vikings, that's really tough as they're already trying to rebuild their secondary without Jerry Gray. Right. And you imagine that the rookies will take a jump as, as you would expect any year. But again, like you just said, Darnell Savage still had growing pains in his second year. Also there, it's not just like all of a sudden, boom, one season in you're ready, you know, ready made perfect start player. 
Um, where do you think Anthony Harris goes? Like, do the the Vikings try to resign him on a long term deal, or does he sign with a new team? I actually saw an article about this today that said, I don't remember what it might've been pro football focus, but somebody said that he was a perfect fit for the lions. And I think him going to Detroit where they have, you know, the money to make it happen, getting to pick off Kirk cousins is just something that seems so beautiful. But as a Packers fan, I wouldn't necessarily want him to stay in the NFC North given the talent that he has. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think he's probably in my eyes and maybe it's a little bit of NFC North bias, but in my eyes, he seems like a guy who's going to be a hot commodity for teams that need a starting safety, need a vet president. Like he bring, he's the whole package in my mind. Um, but it's just a matter of who has the money. And there's like four teams that have money. <laughs> like literally there's four teams. So he's going to Jacksonville basically. Basically what. everyone's going to the Jack- <laughs> to Jacksonville or they're coming to New York. <laughs> yeah. Which So I want to flip this then because, you know, I said that I had two things I wanted to ask you and I segued into the Anthony Harris thing, but you and I were talking about potential for Brian Gutekunst to maybe make a move or two. And one of the things I think Packers fans kind of forget about when we talk about free agency is the Packers are normally pretty active in free agency. They're just signing their homegrown guys. So there's a part of me that's wondering if this move that's coming next week is like a massive Devontae Adams extension Mm -hmm. And Packers fans might be upset that we're not getting like a Will Fuller or Emmanuel Sanders in free agency, but the extension of Devontae Adams kind of supersedes any type of wide receiver move and immediately bolsters your room for the next, I don't know, four or five years. So what do you think about Devontae Adams kind of jumping ship and signing maybe a year earlier than we maybe would have expected? Lock it up. Lock it up. (laughs) I I, I don't know what else to say. No, I mean, that's what I, I wholeheartedly hope and they did this last time right they locked Devonta adams up before he even got close to reaching free agency they got him on a very nice deal for him for the team and then you saw the wide receiver market absolutely blow up since then yeah. right like amari cooper gets a hundred million dollars if amari cooper is worth a hundred million dollars like genuinely what the actual hell is Devonte <laughs> adams worth like to me i'm like what he's worth 200 million dollars like i just don't know so i really really hope that that gets done. And I think it will put, yeah, sure. Maybe Packers fans really want a nice splash signing, somebody new, a new face. Everyone loves like a new fun face on the team, but there's nobody better to have than your number one locked up for a couple of years. And after this season, we have the Packers have nobody under contract. So I think it would just put everybody's minds at ease to know that no matter what that room is going to have Devonte Adams in it for the long haul. Um, I think it's a tough time to want to extend a player like that, knowing that after 2021, like the cap isn't going to go back to its, you know, normal spot, even in 2022, like there's still going to be a lot of struggles to get to a nice place financially. So, but I think the pros of doing it with a guy like Devontae Adams is that he's, like you said, a homegrown guy and he knows the deal. So if he can sort of backload it, right, for when the cap goes back to normal in 2023, 2024, that's something that I fully like envisioned Devontae Adams agreeing to do. So um, I'm all for it. The sooner the better. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, too, because looking at the wide receiving core, you know, we expect Alan Lazard to be back. MVS and EQ are both going to be free agents after next season. Devin Funches took kind of a little bit of a pay cut or restructure to come play with the Packers, but we know how long it takes for Packers to acclimate with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't want to turn this into like a dramatic, 
draft day episode or a narrative, but it really feels like this would be the year to me, even more so than 2020, that mm-hmm. the Packers would consider taking a wide receiver in the draft solely because that'll give them a year to kind of develop and play behind guys like MVS, EQ, Al Lazard, even Devin Funches yeah. maybe, if he's more than a camp body. And then they take over for some of those guys that likely won't be back next year. I could not agree more. I think that like the fan base would burn down if they didn't take a wide receiver, <laughs> but more than that, you're a hundred percent right. We have no one under contract. Um, you have no idea what, you know, free agency is going to look like next season and to have to bring back, you don't want to be the lions, right? Where they're losing their entire wide receiver core this season. Um, it's interesting that you bought up, brought up Devin Funches. Cause I do want to ask you about that. Cause, and you've mentioned that you think he might just be a camp body. So, what are your thoughts on him deciding to come back, deciding to come back on a pay cut? Um, is Devin Funches going to play? Where does he fall in the depth chart? I just have so many questions about him. Yeah, I do genuinely think that he plays. And I think that him taking a restructure shows that he wants to come back. And I know social media isn't everything because everybody can make themselves look good on social media, but you can see the work that he's put in to stay in shape. And like, he still really is passionate about sports. And I think kind of seeing even, I can't imagine what it would be like to be an observer sitting out of the 2020 season, seeing what the Packers offense did. Like, I'm sure he wants to be a part of that and feels like he can be another versatile weapon for Aaron Such Rogers. a good point. That's such a good point. He was probably saying at home, like, dang, wish I was out there. <laughs> wish I was out there. So it's interesting because... So we have Devonta Adams, potentially Devin Funches, MVS, EQ, Lazard. That's five guys, right? Five guys that, that that potentially can start. Packers don't do spread offense anymore, really, with five <laughs> wide, right? So there was a rumblings today. I saw like a Benjamin Albright tweet about him. He could see that uh, Emmanuel Sanders could end up in Green Bay, right? He just got released by the Saints. Um, he's someone that the Packers were interested before in before. Personally, I don't love the Emmanuel Sanders signing now. Like he didn't really contribute all that much to the Saints, whether or not that's him or it's Drew Brees or a combination, we don't know. Um, I think that he would be sort of a loner one year deal situation. I think if the Packers are gonna go out and get anyone, I'd rather somebody maybe a little bit younger who can stay on the team for more than one year, right? Like a John Brown like example. Um but just kind of what are your thoughts on the Packers? I know you mentioned them drafting wide receiver, but like, do you see a possibility where the Packers take a wider, get a wide receiver in free agency? Cause the, the list is long. Yeah. And you and I were talking about this pre-show when we were like, oh man, there's so much to talk about regarding the cap. And yeah, the list is going to continue growing for the next week. And free agency is going to be a nightmare because there's so many really talented players. You know, it's like the running back market. There's a lot of guys that deserve to get paid that maybe won't get the contracts that they deserve. And Mm -hmm. that's why I'm having a really hard time seeing the Packers making any moves at wide receiver because... I mean, I know like Will Fuller is a really flashy name and he has familiarity with Matt LaFleur, but it's just really hard for me to think of Aaron Rodgers acclimating really quickly to a guy like that. And I know like there's a different, there's a talent discrepancy, Hmm. right? Like Will Fuller is different than Equinemius St. Brown. Will Fuller and Aaron Rodgers are going to get on the same page a lot quicker than maybe Aaron Rodgers and EQ would. But, and I, I don't mean to like flip your question, but I'm more interested, I think, in the Packers drafting a wide receiver. And I know this probably sounds really sacrilegious and I'm not team get rid of Aaron Rodgers, but think about like the second string offense with Jordan Love and like a second round wide receiver and the, the familiarity they're going to have. 
in like three years when they're developing together in a malifleur offense. You are thinking for the future. <laughs> are you yeah. Ted Thompson or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, there's so many factors to it. And I don't know if that's something that the Packers front office and coaching staff think about. I'm sure that it is. I'm sure that they'd like to see Jordan Love take reps with the second string team that could potentially be the first tr- string team soon, right? Like that's totally, totally in the realm of the pos- of possibilities. Um, I agree with you. I don't see the Packers doing wide receiver in free agency. Um, it's just historically too, not something that they do. And, you know, even though the money isn't there this season, wide receivers still always garner a lot of money and that's money. The Packers don't have, um, There's so much more draft and develop, (laughs) use the term, but right. Like we're just talking about Devontae Adams, who is a draft and develop homegrown talent and Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. There's so many names that you can list off that fit in that mold. And so um, I think they stick with what they know because when they do draft receivers, they do a decent job, I'd say. And before we wrap things up, because I know we're trying to keep episodes shorter in the off season. I just have to ask you this and I'm sorry if it's out of left field and you can just completely decline to comment, but okay. Let's say that MVS has a similar season in 2021 that he did last season. <laughs> Do you re-sign him? Do you yeah. think he's deserved it? Okay. So yeah. you would, what about, what about a guy like you want, Alan Lazard? You want to know why? Okay. So I have answers for both. Of okay. 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 Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. My answer for MVS is yes, because MVS is a very clear role in this offense. Yep. Very clear carved out. You know what it is. I know that fans are so up and down on him. I honestly like just don't get why. Like I think that he produces and yeah, maybe some of the time that he happens to make a mistake. It's unfortunately in a big moment, but that's because they look to him for the big play. You know, you would notice it less if he was just, doing like quick slant rounds. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's so much more quote egregious because they look to him for that big play, but more often than not, he delivers. And when he delivers, he can be a game changer. So yes, I think MVS stays if they, if he wants to, of course, um, Alan Lazard is the same. I, I would like to see him this season, to be honest with you, like when he came back after his injury and I get it, a core injury, he had surgery. Like he came back into the season after having surgery. Like I can't imagine how difficult that must be. So I don't know how healthy he was. Honestly, I just didn't feel like he was the same after he came back. And again, like off season, new season, you know, time to recoup and, and get, get his body. Right. Um, I just want to make sure that he's good. You know, like if he's producing at the level he was before he got hurt and at the end of the 2019 season, a hundred percent. Again, that's another guy that they found on a the Jacksonville practice squad. Like those are the kind of finds that you want to keep around. Um, and I think that more than MVS, to be honest with you, um, Alan Lazard would garner interest from other teams in free agency. And so it would be like, I could see the Packers having competition for him if he produces well next season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very realistic to think that to start the 2022 season, and now we're really just, you know, off the rails, your right wide receiving core is like Devontae Adams, Ellen Lazard, MVS, and a draft pick from this class. That feels like a solid four to start next season, and a solid four that you'd be pretty comfortable in, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love at the helm. But, you know, knock on wood, it's Aaron Rodgers, and he's won a Lombardi, and everything is kosher, and yeah, I... I don't want to open that up. Maggie is out here with the tape <laughs> tonight. 
Oh man. All right. right. What are your thoughts? Do you think that they extend both of them? I do. I think that, I mean, I know MVS kind of his role might be easier to replicate and maybe that's not true. I mean, Alan Lazard is kind of a big bodied receiver that is, has really solid, reliable hands on third down. So I know that the Packers could find either of those players in the draft, but I do think that Matt LaFleur has really carved out nice roles for both of them, specifically MBS. So I guess to me, I would think that it's more likely that MBS comes back if we could only have one of the two on the roster next year. That's very interesting of you. I actually have another thought about wide receivers and I know that we want to keep these short. So I don't, (laughs) we can elaborate this on another, on another. Just go for it. Okay. I just feel like, so it's, it's, we saw such a jump, right, from all the receivers with Matt LaFleur. And so is it Matt LaFleur's scheme? Like, could we plug and play any receiver into his no scheme? Like, this is why I'm I'm so curious about Devin Funches, because if Devin Funches comes in and Matt LaFleur's scheming guys open left and right and Devin Funches has a great year, do you attribute that to LaFleur's ability to scheme guys open? I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, look at the talent that Mike McCarthy had. And this is not like a dump on Mike McCarthy thing, but... No, you're right. You know, it, it's the scheme, I think, is is a huge part of it. And I think that's why we're seeing guys like Tyler Irvin come to the Packers and carve out a nice little spot for themselves. So, yeah, I think... I mean, it's hard. You can't really necessarily, unless you tie it, be better than the number one offense. But it just makes me more excited <laughs> to see what year three looks like and how this offense kind of builds on the success that they had. I think that better than being the number one offense, to be honest with you, is being able to deliver in the big moments, right? Being the number one offense didn't win them the NFC championship game. It didn't (laughs) bring them. I'm sorry, but you know what I mean? Like it didn't, it didn't bring them points after Jair Alexander had two turnovers. Like there there's those moments that's where the improvement comes next season. Yeah. We're really getting into it. All right, guys. I know this is like a new show. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's just fun. We can talk forever about this. And we might be doing that in a new way coming soon. Coming soon. So Perry, if people are interested by what we just said and want to find you on social media, they should know already, (laughs) but if they don't, how can they do that? Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow the podcast at PWSS podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm sorry. I don't post that much on Instagram because everything's on Twitter, but we do have an Instagram. Um, Maggie, where can everyone find your work? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I also write for Cheesehead TV. Make sure you purchase their draft guide. It is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because I'm writing a piece for it. I also actually used to buy it before I started writing for it. So make sure that you do that. And also, if you're interested, of course, buy some packs Cheesehead merch. We absolutely would love to see it around Lambeau Field and the Green Bay area when we come up for games this season. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! Is back in town. The Green Bay Packers are one.